Yo, Adam. Yo. I'm going on a search. Search for <laughs> what? What do I like to search for? What are some of the things? You know me. What do you like to search for? Yeah. Well, if I check your search history, uh, I'm going to Oh, don't do that. <laughs> what are you searching for? What are you, what are you, what are you looking out for? Well, today, we're searching for Herbie. Ah, uh, we've been trying to search for Herbie. Finally. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Music, jazz, life, advice coming at you. Oh, there you go. Uh, coming at you, sponsored by Open Studio at OpenStudioJazz.com for a deeper dive on all this. Peter, we've been talking about searching for Herbie for months. I know, but you, you wanted to actually... go on like a full-on car trip adventure documentary searching I know. for Herbie, and I was like, we probably know someone that knows him, so well, we could just call him if we wanted and to. And also, what's ended up happening is just, just wait for him to come to us. He's going to be coming, well, we're hoping right here at this desk. That's TBA. Maybe. Maybe. But he's going to yeah. be very close to here. Like he's within be less than a block yards, away. Right? Yeah. Uh, in just about six or seven weeks, which we're super excited, yeah. coming to the Music at the Intersection Festival right here on the streets wait. of Grand Center. So, yeah, we're excited. You know, um, I've been having fun looking at some videos and some um, posts about their summer tour. They're over in Europe right now. Herbie Hancock and his yeah. wonderful group with Lionel, Lueke, James Genus. I saw Terrence Blanchard on there. Yeah. Um, you know, just always killing it, always doing his thing. We love Herbie. We Sue love us. Herbie. And you know this what that's what this episode is all about is yes. all about Herbie's sort of template, yeah. which is a crass way of saying his style of template. playing. Template, yeah. Is that like a template? Template. Template. How do you say it? Template. Template. Yeah, I don't know. How do you say gala? <laughs> gala. Come on. <laughs> oh, more on the gala more at on the, the end. Of the... Of the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love how we look up here when I we're know, saying. Like there, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this is uh, we're calling this the most copied pianist in jazz he's 100 is that hyperbole <laughs> no i think for modern musicians herbie is the most copied pianist if you go to any jazz gig right now at any yeah. jazz club around the world yes there's a good chance the pianist has some kind of direct herbie influence happening in their playing so not everyone but it's that's why we're saying he is probably the most copied right now of right. at least for our generation it was like Everybody sounded like Herbie for a minute. Right. Like we were, if everybody sounds like Herbie, nobody sounds like Herbie. That's right. That's right. So much that people like Ethan Iverson have written blog posts about this phenomenon. Really? And uh, or or something or he I forget he wrote something about it. Like shout out to the meth blog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then blog? the do the math. <laughs> do the math. Do the math is your your that's your personal blog, which no, I not. love reading because it's all over the place. But uh, but uh, we are in Missouri. No, and other people have talked about like you know uh, was it Mulgrew or someone who said like I went to a jazz club and everybody sounded like Herbie yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, really, one of the most copied musicians in our lifetime right by us too by the way like, we're not and, immune and i mean i always wonder about like we saying the most copied pianist the most influential pianist that's yeah. two different things right because i would actually i would say i would put out there maybe almost like we could look at I, I i would look at herbie hancock as the most you know possibly influential just musicians and forces in jazz beyond just piano yeah but then copying and certainly influential to pianists absolutely yeah um so this is going to be fun though because we're going to go back 
and listen. We had a little bit of a, a, a back and forth, a little bit of a disagreement over what era, Herbie. Should we divulge that to our dear listeners? Yeah, let's talk about it. So we, okay. we chose a video from 1964 playing with Miles Davis playing Autumn Leaves. Yes. Ultimately because it's very accessible and it's a very young Herbie. Yes. Still in the, in the, in the dawn of his career, yeah. right? And he still has... During the age of Aquarius, I believe. He still has the Herbieisms that yes. we will see that he carries to, to this sound today. And the Herbieisms that are so incredibly copied by pretty much every pianist yes. or a, a very large chunk of the piano population after him. Right. And I kind of wanted to go a little bit more recent or just, you know, maybe from the 80s, 90s, wh whatever, as opposed to 60s or 70s, because I feel like that um, the later eras and the current era for Herbie Hancock, you've got all the Herbieisms, obviously, <laughs> but then you've got just the depth and breadth of this amazing life in music and all those nuances that were added on. But that's okay. We're going to go with, 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 with your ideas. You're still no disagreeing. <laughs> We're on the podcast. You're still disagreeing about the choice. Our listeners like to hear about this. No, I, but this is what makes it fun. Listen, there's no bad era of Herbie, including the current era. But that's I think right. it's fun to go back and check him out when he was uh, uh, just a, a young lad right. with the Miles Davis. Well, and then that. remember the other version I wanted that you shot down as well. We, we should call this episode... You know, five different ways Adam shot down Peter's Yo, ideas. Th is there anything wrong with listening to Herbie play Autumn Leaves with Miles? Got, no. got the maestro on there. You got Tony Williams. Come on, man. We're in that period of the podcast with with some of our non-dear listeners referred to as um, the useless dribble. Yeah, let's dribble. keep it. Dribble. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Uh, shout out useless dribble. Put it in the comments. If you... um, no, but the other idea I had was from 1963, which was from the, well, of course, the live concert at Lincoln Center. My Funny Valentine, Funny Valentine yeah. Autumn Lee, um, or is that from four or more? I think that's My Funny Valentine. Oh, no, we were talking about all of you. It was a difference. All of you. All yeah, of yeah. you from that. But we wanted to get some video. We wanted so to get some video. Let's so this video. is cool, of course. Check the tape. Check the tape. So this is 1964 in Milan. Um, that's, of course, the maestro, Ron Carter, Wayne Turner. I have it queued up to right before Kirby Solo. Okay, so this is something already. No, in that a, a theme is developing and its vibe is right. Hell. And if we had, if we had more time, we could take it back. And I encourage you. We'll link to this video, of course. Um, you know, because this is as much coming out of what Wayne played. Such a great little segue. I think. Yeah, something exactly. like that. I think it's it's like that cluster, yeah, yeah. you know, thing. Yeah, up to the the eleventh on top. Actually, I don't think it has the, it doesn't double the 11. That's what no. weakens it. So it's like, and then down the whole stuff. I've heard Herbie do this a lot, but just check out the way he does it. Yeah, the dynamics there. Oh. Uh. All those airy chords that happen yeah. on the tonic. Uh. 
Herbie is Herbie number is one. Already. Shout out Wynn Kelly. Pause here. So we could talk a lot about the harmonic and melodic concept and how, you know, this is a very, this is a time, every time is a time of evolution. Everything is always changing. And yeah. this, this is when this sort of style away from functional harmony, even on a functionally harmonic tune, using more of like a modal system to yep. tackle it. It's really his rhythm, though, that starts right. to change away from just like all of these little bebop undulations and ducks and and dips and things. Yep. And it's this like plane that happens up and down the, the keyboard. And him and I feel like him and Wayne are very on the like same spectrum, different instruments for that yes. rhythmic evolution of the music. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you jump forward to their wonderful duet um, one plus recording, one, one plus Amazing, one. You yeah. really, you know. You f see that fully realized synthesis years later. It's so exciting so to you track can, these careers. Yeah, you, you know? can pay attention to, to the rhythm, sort of the, the rhythmic language he's playing here versus someone like Wynton Kelly or Red Garland and yes. how different it feels. It feels, you know, much more progressive than right. what they were doing. At the same time, I would say, like, his sense of swing and, and groove is even closer connected than, I, uh, uh, than we realize with Wynton Kelly specifically, certainly Red Garland as well. But I mean, like some of the phrasing of these lines. The duck it up. Yeah. Yeah. But, like just from a groove standpoint. But it's almost like he's taking that and kind of going, hmm. You know, like, look, yeah. like let, let's look at it from a different angle. It's like Picasso's guitar. It's like, it's, yeah. it's in the shape of a guitar. But like it's kind of weird. <laughs> where Wynton Kelly would have a realistic looking guitar. This is like a little bit skewed version yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. It's super exciting, man. <laughs> That, like the, uh, at the micro level, bit, bit, it, like it's very like traditional swinging, yep. bluesy, a lot of bebop stuff. But like he's already straight, and this is like just the beginning, I believe, the second chorus. We've done like two phrases so far, Peter. We yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, but I mean, he's stretching over the bar lines yep, exactly. and like, you know, um, uh, phrases that are going over like seven beats and things, and then with like odd three beats missing and stuff. Yep. But then he's using these traditional elements like to pull it, to pull it in. And then, it's very similar, I think, to the way uh, Ron, Carter's Ron Carter walking. is walking. Because, totally. like, some of it's very, very, you know. But then it'll be like, you know, like, it'll be like omitting some yep. roots at, on the it's ones. A, it's and the stuff. same concept you could take from, like, Paul Chambers to Ron Carter. Like, this, this, like, it's a, it's a cubist almost version yeah. of, the, of the same yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, that's like. Again, the, the airy way he's harmonically and melodically dealing with the tonics of these progressions, because yeah. obviously Autumn Leaves is dealing with a, a major cadence and a minor cadence, yep. and he is obscuring the tonics more than, I think, the generation before him. Yep, absolutely. And then it's just like, even with his left-hand comp, it's super light, and then boom, you know, like like really jabbing on like yep. those dominant things to give it some accentuation to really what he's setting up thematically in the right hand. All of these things are the things that people copy. Like yeah, these are the things when you want to get this sound. It's not even known as the Herbie sound because it became so ubiquitous after this. That right. It, but it is starts here. Back it up a little bit. Let's hear. Let's hear a little more of in a row without interrupting. <laughs> yeah. Adam. Drivel without the drivel. Man, the maestro is through this part too. Almost like being in love quote. Yeah. What a day. 
not being afraid to not resolve things. That's exactly right. Let it flow. Go up one more higher than you would expect. So let, let's just talk about one thing that I think it's mixed, missed sometimes with Herbie's playing. Um, and this is up till today, like the use of something super simple and standard that's not like, you know, a double diminished or some kind of crazy thing where you're like, what? I mean, even like like how he kind of is placed in those first chords, it's kind of like, wow, that's a lot to play at the beginning of the solo. Yeah. But then check out when he's just going to, like he uses that at the kind of, at the right places yeah. in terms of like a counterpoint to some crazy stuff. And that's just the second, the third, and the fifth. What do you call that? It's just like a cluster, cluster chord? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for like a G minor, A, B flat, and D, yeah. yeah. And then I I don't know if this is exactly what he played, but I know that he's done this in many other situations that I've transcribed, but you can hear him too obscuring the tonics by using more of a diminished sound. Even when he's doing that cluster, he'll be like... Right, diminished on top of the minor. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he, I mean, he... Like that kind of thing. Something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's exactly what he's doing, but... So that that's another thing, you know, and I mean Winton Kelly did this in, in a different way, but like playing around with this like this the minor on the obviously it's G minor, but you've got the minor seven and the six. Yep. Yeah. It could have yeah. been. You know, but he goes down, I think he goes down to the six. Yeah. Ah, uh, so that's a really extended line that has a couple of like, oh, yeah. uh, uh, we're almost there. But, so he goes down here somewhere as he's going. Something like he's in this zone here. Yeah. Yeah. Probably like a half step down, maybe he might be thinking. Yeah. Let's just check out, because that's a long line. Too. And you know, and now that's the end of the line. Then he's doing the, the the other thing, but like that's longer. It's almost the whole A section. It's the whole A section up until that G minor. Yeah, yeah. Going to the first ending, like that's longer than we typically would recommend. It's like okay, if you're playing piano, when are you gonna breathe? But this, you're talking about Wayne Shorter, Herbie connection. Wayne was great at this playing these like really long phrases, but they were not really one phrase. I mean, you could say they were continuous. No, there's small breaks that are. There's happening. small breaks. Yeah. Those are breaths in the music, yep. and it's because of how he crafts. He makes that one continuous phrase into a story. Yep, exactly. So it's it's like. It's like somebody that can write with this this like run-on sentence, yeah. but it doesn't feel like a run-on no, sentence. No, there's still like this setup body resolution kind yeah. of thing that happens. And he's got yeah. a couple places where it's like he's messing with our expectations over these very standard chords. This is super exciting. Yeah, I love Rick Garland there. Bobby 
then he's just, you know, he doesn't like resolve it down. He stays up there on that D flat even yeah. as the C minor starts. It's all like fluid. Like the form is fluid even as he's playing this very traditional kind of stuff. And using these structures to still obscure things like he did that. I forget what the setup was, but... Uh, uh, yeah. Like so on the F, like a sus chromatic. thing. Yeah, yeah. Doing chromatic, chromatic thing. I think it was something like that. Something yep. like that. But that obscures that dominant seven, so it's not just like. Right. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And then look for drummers out here, or anybody just interested in drums. If you want to talk about textbook right hand God, ride man. symbol technique, look, look at Tony Williams' hand. Greatest like, of all learn time. from that. Look at that. I mean, just a, I mean, you can learn from piano, just like look how natural fluid that movement is. Chromaticism yeah. there, harmonically. So there he's going. Yeah. So that's like the half step above going to the G, even though it's it's really still that two five one. Like typically the 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 uh, substitution would be the E flat, but he goes up to A flat there, which yeah, is cool. It. He goes back to it. Thematically here, just setting up these arpeggios. These long, big phrases. The repetition. Now here's the payoff. Yeah, and then it's like, boop, bang. It's yeah. not, but you bang. It's like, boop, bang. And it's out after the one. Yeah. talk about some beautiful solo art architecture human nature says your ego says we've got energy built let's keep the energy keeping going forward break that so great and the artistic mind says no let's right. let's slow this down a bit unbelievable i mean what is like he, it what is he like 25 there maybe yeah he's young crazy maybe even younger i mean tony williams might have been a teenager still at this point it's crazy 64 man. i no, think it's about 63 the herbieisms and the the amazing artistic grace that he gives his audience to follow along there's so much repetition amongst phrases but again in obscure ways yeah that it is it draws you in especially at this time that language a lot of that language is still used by our favorite pianists yep. today and like i said i think it's probably he's probably the most copied pianist from his time forward yeah and i can't I mean, think of someone else in the modern era who's more copied Right, and I'd say there's and there's been more like just sort of unconscious copying of Herbie than probably any. Yeah, influential th copying. Copying sounds kind of negative, but everybody copies. Herbie's Herbie's copied people right. to his, get where he is. Yeah. The tentacles of his artistry are so, you know, they're so ever present in the jazz piano scene that even people that are like, I don't really like Herbie or I don't listen to Herbie or something, they still got Herbie in their play. Yep. You know, because there's so many different directions that it comes from. Yeah, even young musicians who maybe don't listen to a lot of Herbie, but the people they listen to yeah. listen to a lot of yeah. Herbie. And I should just say, full disclosure, we were doing a huge disservice to this solo because we took it out of context. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, it's still a great solo. And we what also happened kept before stopping. it, after What it. happened yeah. before and where it goes into is really interesting. And... You can go check out. There's a number of different versions. I would say, as great as this version is, I would still say 
there's the the record uh, Miles in Europe, which was from the same year. Yeah. And it says 64. I want to say this is all 63. I'm not sure. Ron Carter has a wonderful book. Chartography, yeah. Right, chartography, which is like comparing the different bass lines that he played during these couple of months when they were touring. It's incredible. It's incredible. To see all the bass lines Ron Carter played on Autumn Leaves. Yeah, and why, yeah, and his breakdown in terms of why he's playing them and how it changed from night to night. But I would say, for me, my personal favorite Herbie solo during these these several months of them playing this was uh, on the Live in Europe record. We'll link to that. And that has been called a number of different things, but it was live from the Antique Jazz Festival outdoors on the beautiful beach, the Côte d'Azur, as it were. Uh, oh, that there. sounds like such a that sounds like a really fancy party, like like a a gala. It sounds like a gala. It kind of sounds like, like a segue, another uh, French word. Oh, little, oh, now we're getting Frenchy. Okay. C'est bon, segway. c'est bon, mon ami. Uh, tell us about gala. So gala stands for gentlemen and ladies agreement. It is listen. I love the authority you're saying because like 20 minutes ago at the coffee shop you didn't know what that meant. No, we had to figure <laughs> you it out what it again. Meant. <laughs> uh, we, you know, this is this is a free podcast. It's a free video it, on YouTube. Uh, what? It's not free. It's not free. It's a seemingly free. It podcast. seems like it's free, but we do require. Yeah. Require. It's required. You go. You finish, man. I'm not. Oh, you don't like the requirement part. Well, do you? no, no, no. <laughs> it is required that you adhere to the agreement, which is the gala, the gentlemen and ladies agreement, which means that we provide the podcast. We do indeed. We bring the fire. One hundred percent. We bring the flames, Bam. baby. We bring the flame emoji. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We bring the expert analysis and uh, co-analysis. And then you guys just go and um, just go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just subscribe to the YouTube <laughs> it channel. It sounds like such a letdown, and, but that's all it is. And right? leave a comment. Right. The traditional comment is agreement adhered to. We will also take stopped at the stop sign. Yes. And uh, and gala. And you gala. Just put in gala. G A L A. But we appreciate. It. We've been having a lot of folks, and we apologize that we haven't been able to jump in there and answer every one. Um, but we get a lot of comments. But we appreciate you guys. We do see. All the comments. Some people don't know that there's an open studio YouTube channel. And I know. You'll hear it YouTube channel just specifically for the podcast. Yeah, super confusing. Yeah, Should right. we fuse them? We no. can't. No, we don't, we, we don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to. Yeah, so and some of our longtime listeners and friends and open studio members have just let us know that they just are finding this yeah. out. So please spread the word. Um, we love you on the audio podcast, but YouTube is the place to go comment and, and to watch subscribe. And watch this video, too. Watch and Herbie watch yourself. Video, of yeah. course. So cool. until next time. You'll hear it.